I am Lucas Mack, and I'm on a mission to see the hurting get healed and the healed go out and heal others in order for all of us to experience the true love and light we desire. This podcast is me sharing my journey with you so you don't feel alone in your journey. Welcome to the Golden Rule Revolution. Hello, brothers and sisters, and welcome back to another episode of the Golden Rule Revolution. I am Lucas Mack, and today I'm excited to bring to you Johnny King. He is a coach. Um, He is a really beautiful soul. He is a podcast host. Um, He does quite a bit of things, and I was on his podcast right before we started recording on my podcast, and so we referenced that, Um, but this this episode surprised me. and how much it touched me while we were recording. And so, Brother Johnny, thank you for coming on, brother. I really appreciate it and honor you. And thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being vulnerable and opening up. And I know this is going to touch and impact a lot of people. So, my dear brothers and sisters, enjoy. Um, well, brother, I'm glad I'm glad we finally connected. And, you. you know, this it's beautiful how they say like attracts like, and here we are finally meeting after we have so many similar friends and and acquaintances in common. And here we are getting to create something beautiful together. So thanks for coming on the podcast, brother. No, thanks for having me. It's going to be fun to to get into it. I'm excited to see where this goes. You know, I I had a vision. So my brother's name's John. He goes by Johnny and Johnny Elsasser, another amazing Johnny. Um, And, I'm actually getting the opportunity to be a, an officiant and a, a friend's uh, wedding coming up. He goes by, he goes by John, but I call him Johnny Sax Cause he was the sax player in my band in college. And, <laughs> and I had a vision um, one night about John's that, that Johnny's are their warriors of love. And that every John I know, even John, even if you go to the Bible and like John the Baptist or John that writes the book of Revelation or Mm -hmm. the books of John, it's about like waking people up to Mm. something greater, but it's in a state of warrior language, Mm. like, but not a warrior of war, but a warrior of love. And Mm. uh, so anyway, when you reached out, I'm like, oh, here's another Johnny. And I have a lot of Johnny's surrounding me in my life. And it's beautiful. I feel like. Man, the world's a better place because of you, brother. So thanks. Oh, that's for great. On, man. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. It's uh, it's actually my mom. So I've got four other siblings, and my two of my my two brothers are James and Peter, and we're named, you know, from <laughs> biblically yeah. Peter oh, yeah. John Peter John and James. So that that resonates for me too. Yeah, that's awesome, brother. Yeah, my yeah. brother's name uh, John. And then we had friends, Matthew and Mark <laughs> growing up. And so it was Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Yeah, it's <laughs> so perfect. It's biblical around here. It is. It is. It is. Um, no, it's good. It's good to chat for sure. Yeah, man. So share like where you're, you're coaching, you're doing a lot of stuff, performance and helping people, you know, find their path. But tell me about your path growing up and where, where'd you grow up and how'd you land in the beautiful state of Colorado. Yeah, seriously, seriously. Uh, no, born in Florida um, for a couple of years there and then spent a little time up in the, the Northeast uh, until we moved when I was like eight, eight or nine to the Midwest, which is primarily where I lived the majority of my life. But mm. I definitely, uh, of course, it definitely shaped me in, in many regards, but I kind of grew up having a traditional, you know, blue collar, Midwestern, you know, childhood and there was nothing inherently wrong with it um certainly not compared to to your story at all just just more so my dad was gone uh primarily raised by my mom my older sister had to grow up real fast i don't think she got much of a childhood because she was my mom's uh right-hand woman um you know, female school teachers, female Sunday school teachers, females, just female, female, females. Um, and so I think it was just one of those things. But then again, I always really connected to superheroes, mm. you know, and uh, and just kind of hyper-masculine men. 
yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger and everything else. So I, I definitely found myself uh, feeling the, the, like the shame grew in me, I think, because I had no clear sense as to um, what it meant to be a man mm. or I had no real confidence in being you know, a man, I, I tried to follow as, as best I could my older brother's footsteps, but he was, he was running blind as well. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. um, all of that, you know, all of it was traditional, I guess, if you will, until, you know, ultimately my mom passed away from cancer in 2006, which was kind of the, the first thing in my life that gave me a, a major, you know, yeah. <laughs> hiccup to how I thought life was because it had gone traditional, mm. pretty typical. And, um, but it was, you know, that was kind of the first brick falling from the, from the wall, if you will. And then, uh, then ultimately shortly thereafter, my father came out that he was gay. And then shortly thereafter, uh, the ex-wife wanted a divorce. So just kind of within a couple of years, like my whole life got turned upside down and I kind of started questioning like, why, how did I even find myself in this position? Mm. Even though everything looked great on the outside. I mean, I think that resonates a lot with uh, what I've read of your story too. It's just like, yeah. but then why am I, but why am I so unhappy with it? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it wasn't really one of my true intentional choosing, which I think a lot of guys can resonate with. It's like, yeah, you get into your thirties and forties and sometimes you wake up to being like, how did I even get here? Right. You know? Right. <laughs> so that's, that's the short of the long, um, but that, that definitely has a lot, a lot of bearings on as to why I now, why I've coached for over 10 years, why I worked with women for eight years, why I now work with men over the last several years. So it's been, yeah, it's definitely been a journey. That's amazing, brother. Did, um, so growing up in a Christian home, you know, what, what role did that play? Like what bearing did you like? Because there, I mean, the word Christians, like the word blue, there's a (laughs) billion different shades of it. It's not like one, one brand, but how did that shape your worldview as growing up? I appreciate you asking. Cause actually, I don't know if I've really been asked that question much, um, on podcasts, you know, and, mm. uh, but it's definitely, it definitely shaped, shaped my life. I, I was raised Christian scientist, oh, wow. not, not, not uh, Scientologist. Yep. But Christian scientist. Yeah. Christian scientist. So, uh, that's why we moved to St. Louis was to put all of us children into Christian science school. So it's a public or uh, private school, but again, you, you grow up kind of, and it's probably similar to, you know, whatever you grow up with, you kind of grow up thinking that your experience is the only experience, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So I grew up um, really with my faith being, uh, you know, really focusing on faith-based healing. Mm-hmm. So we never went to doctors, you know, and never used medication. So everything was all metaphysical prayer-based healing and that was normal to me, you know, and if you got hurt on the playing field, you got taken off the field. And then we had what we would, you know, would refer to as Christian science practitioners start praying for us. And um, it's very, very interesting now because I, I wouldn't say, I guess I, I would say too, after my mom passed away and my dad came out, like that was the beginning of me kind of drifting from my faith, even though I never really, like I'd been growing, I'd grown up with people saying, Oh, you need to make your faith. You need to make Christian science your own right? or Christianity, make it your own. I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, I I do feel like I've just been kind of given that, but I, I don't know. A lot of it was just going through the motions. Mm -hmm. So going to Sunday school, going to church, reading the Bible, you know, during breakfast each morning, um, all the stuff just became, it just, it was very much like, not anything I owned, yeah. you know, yeah. even, even in my marriage, I, I, sh- I should quote unquote, right. should have gone to God so much more than I did, you know? And that was not, uh, I just didn't just something I took for granted, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So I think that just in the last 10 years, have I really been getting back into my faith and found a church here in Colorado that I absolutely love. I'm wow. going to different courses and, getting into Bible studies and like, it just feels so good. Um, Cause I feel like the work that I'm doing it, it's like, it's so heavy of a burden in some regards. I like, couldn't do it without my faith. Yeah. So it's strengthening me as I go. 
but a lot of times I do kind of question, <laughs> you know, if I, if I have what it takes, but that's, it's nice to be able to put that burden off on someone else's shoulders and not mine. Does that right. make sense? Yeah, it totally does. You know, that's, um, fascinating that I started this podcast then of like Johnny's or like these warriors of God's love. It's like, essentially that's how I view you. And just that title. I mean, your name is Johnny King. I mean, I mean, sure. People say, Oh, cool name, but I mean, there's way more to names. I think I, I, I really believe we get to see well, I had this, I'll just share full transparency on this. Yeah. When I was on um, a plant medicine journey one night, I saw that we as souls get to see the essentially um, conveyor belt of the bodies that we will jump into. Hmm. You get to see all the lines, all the ancestral line back and all the ancestral line forward. And then we get to see the, when we jump into that body, what will happen to us, but then the ripple effect of all the other lines, like it's an infinite amount of bodies essentially, but the souls see like, Oh, if you jump in here and you heal, or you go through this trauma and you heal the ripple effect up and down the line and to other people is massive. And so we're all jumping in these bodies saying, Okay, that's why no one goes through this life without trauma because yeah. we would then there would be no point of impact. There would be no point <laughs> of like the hero's journey, be, being the superhero in, in your own story. Yeah. Um, well, I, and I grew up too. There's there's a phrase out of the the book that kind of goes hand in hand with the King James version of the Bible and Christian Science it's called Science and Health. There's a quote that just says uh, that the author and founder of Christian Science said it was like trials are proofs of God's care. Hmm. And so I kind of feel like that's exactly why we go through this like preparatory school of, of human existence. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's gotta be a reason why we're going through this right. to, to get us to the next level, you know, and I've been getting into a lot of Dr. Joe Dispenza stuff and man, so much of what he says is literally kind of what I grew up with yeah. being like, dude, you, you, you know, you raise your, your frequency of your thought, you get closer to, you know, source. And in that place, uh, you're not even looking for healing. Right. You just know that when you're up on that, when you're connected with source, there's, there's no need for healing because healing would be a lie. You know, the need for a healing would be a lie. You just realize you don't need healing because there's nothing but perfection up there. Right. And that's kind of the same premise of where I came from metaphysically. Um, But sometimes it's just hard to be in this human world with all the heaviness and especially with the stuff that we've got going on right now in our, in our world. And, yeah. and uh, it's easy to question <laughs> faith yeah. and God's presence. And if, if we're not just completely destructing <laughs> self-destructing, you know, as a, as a species, you know, so right. Right. <laughs> right. It's, it's tough, Which but it's, it's given, we're given that opportunity. I think a lot more frequently uh, recently anyway, yeah, than yeah. we want to admit. Yeah. It's a really thanks for sharing that because that um every person I, that I have on this podcast just people that energetically just we all connect like I just had um, a gal on uh, Alicia Berry who was raised in a sect of Hinduism but she is like sprungboard off found her own um, it just everyone comes from a framework and then it's really not making that framework our own. It's actually making our own from that framework. And like, mm-hmm. what is it? And, and I think that's the human story. It's like, anyone can relate to that, whether we leave Judaism, Christianity, Buddhism, Hinduism, a sect of Christianity, Christian scientists, mm-hmm. whether you're Pentecostal or, or Catholic, whether you're a- agnostic, atheistic, whatever framework, it's like, no, our job is awakening to the divine and, and sovereignty and, um, Man, that's a beautiful place. And like you're saying, in the presence of love, unconditional and infinite love, God in the presence of God, in the presence of source, whatever, it's like mm-hmm. the healing's a byproduct. And it's it's like, yeah, that happens because you're just in the presence. Like you go yeah. to Starbucks, you smell like Starbucks, <laughs> not because you went there for the scent, you went there for whatever you sought, but then you leave, you're like, I still kind of smell like Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's kind of thing, same thing of like healing, but 
that's a byproduct of being in the presence of God or being in the presence of love. And hundred percent. Yeah. That's a, that's a beautiful story. Thanks for sharing that brother. Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of religious shame that comes along with like, you're either right or you're wrong. You know, yeah. uh, I've, yeah. I've obviously heard of a lot of people talk about Catholic shame and, and that sort of thing. I think um, Christian science, again, although I don't necessarily practice it anymore, um, there's still a lot of things that are ingrained in me as my kind of like core ph- philosophy. But um, I'd say that the one thing that I really uh, have always enjoyed is that we were raised to believe that unlike most Christian faiths, uh, with Christian science, the whole thought was like, you were born perfect in the image and likeness of God. Mm-hmm. You know, that very first chapter of Genesis, like that's where it's the second chapter of Genesis about Adam and Eve that starts more or less the, the parable. The, the Christian scientists don't believe that that's absolute truth of the beginning of man, but more of a, of a story of how Jesus taught as well was through, a lot of times just through story, not necessarily through facts per se. <clears throat> and so the fact that we are born perfect mm-hmm. in the image and likeness of God means that's more or less what this human ex- experience is about is to keep elevating yourself to where you're getting closer and closer and you're shedding off the, the human limitations, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Human beliefs, the human. And I love that idea regardless, because I think it still is pertinent to what we're doing. And the idea to, to kind of infuse, to me, it's hard to think about coming out of the, the womb and just from before you can remember, start being taught that you are sinner, yeah. that you are less than, like, I feel like that is the human dream that we're steeped in. And that's the hardest thing to break free of is like, no, you're not broken. Right. No, you don't need to be fixed. Like, man, you are enough. And just by actually being bold and having faith and taking, you know, big leaps, do you actually start to, like I said, trials are proofs of God's care. It's just more and more proof. They're like, man, I, I can do that. And then you yes. believe more in yourself and you take yes. more action, right? And so I feel like that's just a big part of why I'm probably led to do what I am do, what I do, because that's kind of how I was raised, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, it is interesting that you bring it, that up at the very so, beginning. I'm so yeah. glad we're talking about this because, first of all, there's not a verse in the Bible that, that says there's original sin. There's that where the doctrine of original sin comes from is when David says in iniquity did my mother conceive me Mm. and David's mother's never mentioned in the Bible. And I believe David's mother is not the mother of the brothers of David. And that's why he wasn't with the brothers when they were fighting the Philistines that he was in the field because he wasn't counted with the brothers. (laughs) So Rome took that one verse in iniquity did my mother conceive me and created this whole doctrine of an original sin that we're mm-hmm. born sinners. And then if you're born sinner, the only solution is Rome's answer, which is, you know, this submission to be a good Roman and you can live in Rome. Yeah. Don't fit our Roman doctrine. Sorry, out of Rome and you can live with the barbarians and we're going to, Oh, by the way, we're going to conquer the barbarian land. Yeah. So you're pretty much screwed. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. we're coming for you. And um, what I share with people all the time, like I, I did this podcast in January, this of. Uh, 2020 titled why i lift christianity to find the love of god and i was a christian preacher i I ran my own ministry called roll call ministries i was on staff at young life i interned at churches i've done a whole bunch of different things in that christian path but it's the verse you talk about genesis here adam and eve you know they eat of the fruit of the knowledge good and evil they see Mm -hmm. that they're naked they hide themselves like we've heard that story a gazillion times the what we don't hear What's not taught is Genesis chapter three, verse eight. And it says, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Tell me where there's anger in that verse. Mm. Tell me where there's wrath or judgment or smiting or whatever narrative you want to use. Zero. God says, hey, what's up? Where are you? Knowing where they were. And Adam yeah. says, oh, I heard your voice. I was afraid and I hid myself because I was naked. Oh, yeah. Who told you you're naked? Did you eat of the tree yeah. or command you not to eat of like knowing already what they did? Not even angry with them. Yeah. Not upset with them. Not angry with them. Not judging them. Actually inviting them back into like, you do not have to be ashamed. Why don't you come out here? I love you. You heard my voice in the garden in the cool of the day. This thing is a beautiful, glorious playground I've created yeah. for you come back out. But what happens is 
when he asked Adam that, Adam blamed. And Adam said, the woman. So God goes to the woman. He says, what did you do? She says, the serpent. And that is the crux. It's not about, and you and I going through, you went through MITT. I went through ALA, like this narrative. That is the whole crux, not the sin, but the acknowledgement of like, yeah, just what, just I'm here. Like this is, I get chills right now, just hearing your story and so many other people living in the shackles of shame, which is such a lie. The lie is the shame. The truth is the love and the invitation Mm -hmm. to come back into this presence. And there is, Sin just means it's an archery term from the middle ages means to miss the mark. To miss the mark. Yep. Did you miss the mark? Yeah. And you know what the worst thing is to say, oh, my missed mark. Actually, I was aiming there. (laughs) Okay, bro. Like, okay, gotcha. You know, like we all know people like that. Um, But to have the humility to say, yeah, I missed it. And what's the mark? Walking in unconditional love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's all. It's like, dude, the invitation is come back into love, not being forced out into utter darkness or whatever. So anyway. <clears throat> well, and I, and I think about too, I mean, I, obviously you, you've got kids. I don't have kids yet. Um, so many of my friends, my siblings do, I've got so many nieces and nephews. I think it's, it's interesting to be at that stage in our life when, you know, I've heard from so many of my friends and family, that like the love for your spouse is something don't get me wrong. That that's nothing compared to that. But then also the love for your children. Like you don't know. It's, it's like you you can't even fathom how much you can love, yeah. right? <clears throat> to think about where that comes from. Like that, that doesn't come from you or a sibling or one of my, like that has to be coming from, I firmly believe that has to be coming from some t- type of divine source, yeah. right? Yeah. And if that is, if that is like, even just like a, a glimmer of how much love, you know, mm-hmm. and people who take, you know, again, mushrooms, all stuff, their experiences are of like, mind-blowing love right yes but then i feel like there's also still so much doctrine that says like you know the wrath of god and like i I just don't see like because i've seen documentaries of people the parents who you know have a serial killer rapist son you know and they're like we hate what he's done but we still love him unconditionally the love of parents couldn't be anything but unconditional love you know, unless they're in massive pain themselves. Right. That's right. So I feel like if that's, if that's the case, when that's coming from God, there's no way that God can be on one hand, unconditionally loving and then conditionally loving as like, you can't have it one or the other way. Right. That's right. That's so right. I just feel like that's, that is the, that is ultimately the, the solution and the, to everything in life, you right. know, it still always comes back to loving yourself first and foremost. And from there, loving others and being able to, I mean, that's, that's the legacy that I ultimately want to leave, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. And I think we all, we're all better off if we focus on that, you know, yeah. but it's very easy to get distracted. Right. Obviously. Right. So you, um, you, you mentioned a couple of things I want to go back to in your story. I think it's powerful. Um, First one is when did you realize there was a lack of male presence in your life? Like when, what, at what point were you conscious of what is Matt, what is being a man look like? Is that a junior high? Is that puberty? Is that middle school? Um, I definitely, I can, I can go back and recollect moments that I was like, Oh yeah, that would have been nice. You know, like no one told me about masturbation. Mm-hmm. No one told me, like I literally stumbled into these things and felt shame about it. Yes. You know, Dude, I watched no- something about Mary. I'm eight <laughs> years old and I was like, what? Dude, I have yeah. such a crazy story. You know, <laughs> yeah. people like, <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah. Right? I, I, right? I relate to it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that was, I mean, those, there's those, those type of things. And, um, but I don't think I ever, again, I don't, I don't remember consciously being like come to the, the, the emotional awareness of like, Oh, I've got like the fact that dad's not there. I certainly saw that like, Oh, that'd be nice to, to have that experience as I saw, mm-hmm. you know, my buddy and his, his siblings play with their mom and dad out and about, you know, I'm like, yeah. well, I'd never had that. You know, right. my parents were too overweight to even think about like running around the yard with us, you know? Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> their story again, once it came out made so much more sense you know, that my dad's gay, my mom knew about it. So no wonder like 
you know, they kind of settled for the breadcrumbs of connection via raising children, eating food and traveling. Like that's the thing that they all like, that's it. Right. That they had in common. Um, and my dad was running from his own demons, you know, distracting himself through being a workaholic. And my mom was probably doing the same thing by being a mamaholic. Mm-hmm. Right. So there was actually a lot of dysfunction there. That I just wasn't fully aware of. So I don't think I really, I don't think I really, really consciously came to the awareness of it until I started doing some personal development work, you know, with Tony Robbins in 2009, you know, yeah. and I start to really, and then really got into it through MITT and like, Oh shit. Right. Okay. Yeah, this, is deep, this is a deep rabbit hole. That's a real oh shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, not until I was like 30 ish, wow. you know, in wow. my thirties. Yeah. So what about, I mean, here you are view of ma- searching for masculinity and the, obviously this is a hindsight question, but, and then your dad comes out as gay. Like what did that do for your view of him? Did he make more sense to you? What did it do to your view of yourself? And just what it meant to be a man. I, I shamed him in my mind or at least to other people, never to his face. We, I don't feel like I ever really had much of a conversation. He didn't, I don't feel like he knew me mm-hmm. or I just was a, a child of his, you know, for mm-hmm. until he, he came out. So he came out when I was 28, 29. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I provoked him coming out because I was so angry at him that I had called my older sister being like, you know what? You know, again, she was kind of like the other parent. She was like my mom, <laughs> you know, it's like, screw him. I'm, I and I use the word divorce. I'm like, I'm divorcing myself a dad. I don't want any more relationship with, with him. So she called him and put major pressure on him and be like, Hey, and by the way, not only is Johnny pissed, I'm pissed. You know, the rest of the siblings are pissed. Like, where have you been since mom passed away? We didn't know that he was literally kind of, you know, grieving of, his best friend who was my mom passing away, but then he was also deciding, should he keep living the lie or is he going to come out? Mm. So he was off traveling the world a fair amount because he had been by my mom's side for a while. So Mm. that kind of, that pressure kind of forced him to be like, well, this is really what I got going on, you know? Mm. Um, And when he, he told me, she, he told her that my sister that, that night and, and she called me back. It's like, Hey, dad wants to meet with you in his office tomorrow you know, and don't do anything rash until you hear him out. I was like, what? So the next day <laughs> he brought me in. He's like, you know, your sister tells me that you have something you want to get off your chest. I was like, <laughs> really? Like, hell yeah. So I literally, <laughs> I took an hour and a half, man. I took an hour and a half and I just, it was the first time to actually have his genuine presence mm. where he wasn't, you know, distracted by his computer, his crack as I called it then, you yeah. know, anything going on with his business. He literally sat there and, and looked at me and gave me his full undivided attention, which was weird, mm. you know, to have it for the first time in my life. Yeah. But then I took the opportunity and I ripped him a new one with all my grievances for 28, 29 years of my life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then of course felt horrible about it when he then turns around and says, well, okay, now that you're like, you're done. Right. And I was like, yeah, that's all I got to say. <laughs> that's all an hour and a half later. I said, well, long story short, he's like, I'm, I'm gay. And it was in that moment mm. that I felt like my, my heart healed in many regards. Mm. And, and like its capacity for feeling empathy grew a hundredfold. Cause I had all of this anger and all of these stories built around why my dad didn't love me mm. and why he was more cared more about money uh, and success and the Rolex and the car and this and that than, than he did about us. When he actually came out, there's so many of these like things that those disappeared like that. And the truth kind of started connecting like, Oh, no wonder they had the relationship and no wonder he like, thank God. I don't even, I don't even have to question my sexuality, but here's a guy that's been not only not, not necessarily questioning it. Cause he knew he was, but then like having to, lie to lie every day and that would talk about being out of integrity that'll tear you up you know but to feel like you can't because at least in the times that he was growing up there were people being killed or hung you know in the 50s 60s 70s or even shut off from their families you know 100 percent. yeah yeah 100 percent. so i think he that that was his greatest fear when he came out and he just started crying he couldn't get it out he finally uttered the words i'm gay Mm -hmm. and i was like oh 
oh gosh, I thought you were going to tell me that you're dying of cancer as well. Like mom, <laughs> you know, I was like, that's it again. Not, to, not to say like, hey, yeah. oh, that's, that's it. Like that's a big fucking deal. But right. to me as a son, I was like, oh, like yeah. that doesn't change anything about you for me. Right. You know? Right. And, uh, if anything that really healed my heart and I was like, dad, I love you. I told him the same thing, more or less what I would want to hear too <laughs> from a father's like dad, I love you unconditionally. And who you, who you sleep with is your business. You know, that's none of mine, you know, like your dad, regardless. And that, that changed the trajectory of our life. Um, I ultimately ended up at, at one point was living with him part-time and his partner for like two or three years. Um, and it allowed us to have time just to st- like sit around the kitchen and talk about like, well, while we're at it, like, I made up a story about this. Yeah. Did this really happen? He'd be like, hell no, it happened like this and this and this. I was like, oh my gosh. So I unpacked so much stuff with the help of my dad, which is so great, wow. you know, wow. um, compared to unpacking stuff about, you know, your, your other parent who might be deceased or, you know, it's like, it's so important for us to do like the, the unpacking of childhood trauma, you know, yeah, potentially with parents. I don't know. You've talked about that a lot too, but it's like, that's a big part of the, the healing journey for me that allowed me to start saying, okay, well, my dad clearly didn't have <clears throat> the tools or he did the best he could with what he had. Mm. But given that, that was around the time I was like, okay, well, I don't have to unlearn a ton of stuff because he didn't, gratefully, he didn't abuse me. Like he was abused or he didn't, you know, mm-hmm. didn't impact me. It just was more or less like a clean slate. So starting around 29, 30, and especially after the ex-wife left, I was like, okay, wow. uh, fresh start. What type of man do I actually want to become? <laughs> you know? So yeah. I started to intentionally choose it and starting to, to write it into my soul. But that was, it was hard, a lot more difficult, but it's probably just as difficult to unwrite things that we're raised with. Right. Yeah. Especially if we have a bad father figure, yeah. you know, yeah. I was at least blessed with a neutral I mean, there's some bad there, but only because of the shit that I made up in my head. Mm. But other than that, he provided for us and but wasn't emotionally there. But now in the last 12, 13 years, he and I are super tight. We talk almost on a daily basis and he's mm. done a lot of work, went to MITT and Tony wow. and Dr. Spenza and like wow. so much stuff that he, we can actually have conversations that I never thought would be possible in terms of, I just really thought that he was very shallow. Mm. you know that he was like only focused on money and that's it but like right. the dude the dude's capacity for you know the the ability to kind of connect on a deeper emotionally intelligent <laughs> capacity is so much bigger than i even ever gave him credit for so he he in turn found you know came to respect me and i in turn came to respect him so that has helped me a lot to <laughs> get a lot of that trauma or a lot of the pain out of the way so that I can actually then focus on the runway of (laughs) gaining momentum towards the man that I want to become. Mm. So brother, you're a beautiful soul, man. You are, you're just a beautiful soul. And that's what a fascinating story that your perception of his shallowness was his own ability to control the lie. And he could only, you could only go that deep. Yeah he could only allow himself to go that deep because if he pierced that veil, then the whole thing falls apart. And that's, I'm, I'm really happy and I honor him and what a beautiful thing that he found the courage to tell the truth. Amen. Because some people just won't, and they choose to continue whatever chaos and lies and um, truth for me growing up the way I grew up and, and trying to get the truth and, and it, continually being spun it's like the truth matters more than anything i would i ask guys when i coach clients or when i do men's retreats one of the questions is what would you crawl bloody knuckled over a broken field of glass to accomplish mm-hmm. like what would you give everything for mm-hmm. and for me it's truth mm-hmm. i will turn on anything if I, like i'm not held to any i want truth yeah. i want to be free and i want mm-hmm. to walk in love and <laughs> So I just, I want you to know, I honor your father and that I honor you brother. That's a, that's a tremendous and what a cool gift that you got to unleash on him because you know, at MITD, you get to unleash on the, the memory, but you got that opportunity to let it rip. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. What's interesting though, at MITT, when it came to like the, the letting it rip on your mom and dad part, like I had actually done a lot of that. There wasn't a whole lot of energy there. I was like, yeah. actually like, 
I love my mom and my dad and I've gotten a lot of that stuff out. It was interesting to see that the, the, the thing that I got rageful about was actually my own disappointment and anger towards myself, mm. you know? And that's till, to this day, that's probably the, the hardest part is just my own disappointment in myself and being so hard on myself. So it's just like, okay, if I can forgive my father, if I can forgive my mom, if I can like, that is, I think the bigger challenge at hand is it's it, sometimes it is really easy to love others, yeah, you know, and yeah. really easy to give them empathy and, you know, <clears throat> but then when it comes to ourselves, it's like so difficult yeah. at times, you know? Uh, yeah, brother, I get it. I mean, I think when we, you and I first talked, did I tell you that I almost took my life in October, I drove up to the top of the mountain and, and uh, still call me pass up here because it was like the last thing that I, I mean, I was doing really well. It's not like I wasn't spiritually growing and doing podcasts, but my wife asked me one thing and it was like a nuclear tipped arrow that just penetrated and, and I couldn't consciously, this is why plant medicine has been um, a huge healing, huge, massively, massively healing in my life. Even getting rid of the stigma of what people think of it, like even talking about it now, because it is a truth for me. It has been a powerful healing because it allowed me to feel safe to process these memories that um, they weren't manufactured but my wife you know i can't consciously bring up pain it's like you can't break your own arm you can't you we don't have that that's not a natural thing to hurt your, oneself like that uh, mm-hmm. deep and so this thing my wife asked me dude it was like it was it was the last thing but i understand i bring this up is I wanted to love myself, but I really hated myself. I hated my body. I hated every, every time I peed, every time I peed, every time I went to the bathroom, every time I showered, every time, like, I, well, and all that hatred manifested in my body, which is self fulfilling thing. And it never yeah. could, you know? And so it's been, it's been a beautiful journey of speaking love over myself and speaking because words are so, I mean, how did God create is created with the words and those words. And this is one of the things I've learned. The karmic law is immediate and it is, omni and ever present so mm. when we say it's it it comes immediately so when someone says, i'm stupid or i'm this like it it immediately creates what you, we say and that's why our words are so important to like what we say how we say it you know why we say what we say 100 man brother so, so <clears throat> but cool too though that again that you were given the gift of your your wife to know you so well yes <laughs> To yes. be able to pierce through your <laughs> pierceless, you know, armor. Yeah. Yeah. To actually create that. I mean, that was this touch and go there, I'm sure, but like yeah. that's what needed to happen to to transform you, you know. And I think yeah. that's why I think coaching is so valuable because yes. the better and better coaches there are, the the greater the questions they have to really open you up, you know. That's right. And to and to get to the things that you don't necessarily want to talk about or, or that you can't, you don't even know need to be addressed. You don't even know. Right? That was, the, that was the thing. It was like, um, and I don't mean to make this about me and talk about no, it's good. story, but I, I equate it like um, the, the great pyramid in Giza. Like I had cleared out everything except this pyramid and the truth I was hiding subconsciously, not consciously yeah. hiding, but subconsciously was in the King's chamber in that great pyramid. So, <laughs> everyone came and like, wow, this is cleared out. Like this beautiful, Oh, look at this pyramid, a monument of the clearing. No, actually a great protective like structure to protect the King's chamber. And my wife was like, Oh yeah. (laughs) I traveled (laughs) in and and, I'm so glad she did. And she, you know, she didn't love it was, uh, but facing that's why courage. I, I talk a lot about courage and I have a lot of content about courage, courage, it's sad that it's not talked about. It's not even taught like courage is everything. The courage to face the courage of your father. That's why I honor him. Like the courage to say the truth mm-hmm. takes courage. Well, I, what's, what, while you're saying that, what comes to me is like courage is founded in truth. Like you, you don't take, you don't have the courage unless you have some belief that it's mm-hmm. worth doing. Yeah. What you're doing in the face of fear, you're, you're almost believing that true courage backed by truth is going to actually blast through the yeah 
the false evidence that appears real in front of you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's really know. good. Yeah. Man. So how do you, so you go from, um, your mom passing, your dad comes out as gay, which heals a lot of things. You're married, your wife leaves. Is that at that crux when you go to Tony Robbins, when you start looking outside of the faith that you had come from? Yeah. Uh, ultimately she, she gave me a, a ticket to see Tony for the first time as our second year anniversary. <laughs> so we only made it two and a half years, um, before the, the marriage was over. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that's probably one of the, the greatest gifts that I could have gotten out of that whole, the whole thing. And to go back to what we were talking about when she decided to move on, um, don't get me wrong. I was apathetic in the marriage. I was passionless. I was not driven. Like uh, I said it multiple times before, but I told her when I was like, she wanted to leave and I was resistant to it, of course. Cause I was like, no, we can do this. Like divorce wasn't even uh, a word in my vocabulary. But when I started noticing, when I started really thinking about like, it, is this best for her? Mm. You know? Yeah. Do I love her enough to be willing to let her go as cliche as that is? I really had to check in with my heart and be like, if it's meant to be, it'll be, you know, yeah. like maybe we'll reconcile who knows or whatever I was thinking at the time. <clears throat> but I was really feeling like the greatest gift was, <clears throat> excuse me, after uh, she moved on, like, you know, we had some interactions. We were sharing the dog for a year and a half, you know, it's like kind of your, your, uncoupling yeah. the, <laughs> the enmeshment and the codependency, which sometimes takes some time. Right. Um, but that I, for, for several years, there still loved that woman unconditionally. Like there was nothing she could say. And she said some things that, you know, were not great um, yeah. Yeah. out of her own pain, which I totally respect or, or, or I understand. And just, I was like, Oh my gosh, I've never actually truly felt unconditional love towards anything or anyone. <laughs> until now, you know? Wow. So that was the greatest, uh, one of the greatest gifts as well from that marriage was like, okay, even though she doesn't want anything to do with me and she sounds like she hates my guts, like, I guess it doesn't matter because I, you know, unconditionally love that woman. So that allowed me to think, okay, that's, that's possible. And that's what I want to feel. And that's what I've been looking for in a future relationship, you know? So <clears throat> yeah, that was, that was pretty, pretty powerful, but that got me into, Tony Robbins. And then I went six months later because I loved it so much. I enrolled three people. So I got myself a free ticket because I wanted wow. to go again. That's it was, awesome. It was coming home from that second Tony Robbins event that she picked me up from the airport and she said it was over. So without that education, man, or just like that would have been even worse. Or, I mean, it still was the worst year of my life, but I, I don't know if I would have made it through, quite frankly, if I didn't have the, the gift of the things that I kind of got in got into with Tony Robbins. So yeah, yeah I started the journey. Yeah, that is so cool um, yeah. because you, that's, I have very similar. So when, so when I was 36, um, no, I'm sorry. When I was 34, I started going to therapy and that's why I started having flashbacks, all the stuff from 34 to 36. But then I go, uh, I get invited to a Tony Robbins event and he came to Seattle's first time he come to Seattle in like 20 years, some, some while I wish he, was here more, but uh, yeah. I ended up being front row. Uh, and dude, it was so random. Like, I'm like front row with a buddy. And I had grown up in the Christian world with like med guided meditations or evil, like imagination. <laughs> it's like where demons can infiltrate and you got to be very, like, it was like very fear based, anything to do with anything <laughs> was like, you're going to die. <laughs> like pretty much it. And so I went to that and it was the first time I'd ever gone through a guided meditation in a stadium, an arena full of people. And it was so powerful mm -hmm. and it was, he is a gift. He really is. And, and that opened me up to, then I go to ALA and um, that work there's nothing like that work in mm. the entire world. It's just because I've done land landmark. Uh, I, I did last um, last year and landmarks good, but I would only say landmark comes after you go through 
the experiential mm -hmm. um, thing, like the cerebral thought based stuff like that's good, but you got to heal the emotional side of yourself, you know, completely, completely. That, that's been my journey. So yeah, Tony Robbins led us both down this path of healing and that's really right. cool. Well, you know, he talks about like for a while, cause I went to, I've done five UPWs, right? So I've done, so the first several, I'm like, why are we cheering? Why does he have us cheering all the time? Because it gets old and you're like, oh God, I'm exhausted. Like, why are we just fake, <laughs> fake cheering? Right. Yeah, yeah. But his whole point, obviously, being that the, the, the majority of all of our woundings and, and the majority of all our, our greatest, you know, memories all come in peaks, high, high intense, you know, positive and negative emotional states. Mm, right. Yeah. Everything else, like day to day, I don't remember what I did last two Thursdays ago. I don't. Right. You know, but if I were in a car crash two Thursdays ago, you'd fucking, I, I'd remember yeah. it for sure. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, so the whole point is like grounding, anchoring those, you know, rewirings of the neurons in your head to high, you know, peak states of, of mm. ecstasy and joy. So yeah. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. But then I agree. I went to the forum and it was very heady. Yeah. It was good, like profound, sure, but it wasn't like moving. And then you go to MITT where you get experiential stuff where you're actually doing, yes. and Tony has a little bit of it, but, but because he's so big, it can't, yeah. you can't facilitate some of that stuff until you go to like leadership Academy when there's hundreds of us versus thousands of us. Right. Yeah. The same thing with MITT. I do feel like, um, if anyone's listening to this, whether it be MITT, ALA, right. Yeah. PSI here in town, like, yeah. There's those type of things where, and when we say experiential, how, how would you define experiential for someone who doesn't know what we're talking about? Uh, going, yeah, how would it, going through exercises that emotionally recreate the most traumatic moments in a safe space so that you can reclaim your power when you had none. That's how right. I say right. it. Like, and, you know, I, I shared this with you when we first talked. It was the very first time in my life that I had ever experienced unconditional love mm. ever. And I, I mean, I'm running ministry. I mean, being a church, I can't tell you the level of like the house that I come from, the family structure that I come from, from my mom's side and dad's side is religious, deep <laughs> entrenched yeah, evangelical and Catholic. And it is so entrenched. And, and I was trying to find the truth within all this stuff. And like, just went hard down this path, but I, it was all conditional, like you were saying. And then mm. finally, when someone said like Strasner's like, that's what else? And I had already let it effing rip. Mm -hmm. He's like, what else? And I said the things that I had never uttered out of my mouth, but it was always with me. And when I said it, <gasps> I could breathe air for the very first time in my life. Like I had lived under water my entire life until those mm -hmm. moments. And that's when I realized, man, where love is present, all we need to do is be loving and hold space because when love is present, people will share their truth. And when they share their truth, they'll be free. Totally. It's as simple as that. It's like, judge, you want, we keep judging people. They're going to feel shame. They're going to hide their truth. They're going to stay in their bondage. We're going to mm -hmm. stay in ours. Like, but in that space of love, it's like, And you know, what's interesting is actually I'm thinking of you and your dad it was such a vivid story you told. It's like, perhaps your dad felt enough love that you cared in the anger that he has apathy to you, but he equated that emotion perhaps of love. Like you're not, you don't get angry at something you don't care about. We're indifferent. Right. So hate is not the opposite of love. Hate is love misplaced with anger. Mm-hmm indifference is the opposite of love. It's like, I, I can give a rip. You live or die. I don't care. But yeah. when we're angry and that visceral, like volcanic, like, it's because I love you. Like, fucking, yeah. make the fuck up, like, yeah. you, you know? Yeah. Um, and your dad felt that love and he told the truth and look what the results are. So it's beautiful. Yeah. 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 It was definitely a, a pretty, 
powerful moment. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, what I feel like where, where this is going, cause we, we're going to like retort yeah, podcast right. switch. I think it's almost good that we just keep rolling and it's like, just, we can just keep going back and forth and yeah. interviewing each other. Yeah. Um, cause I, as you're talking about, you know, my experience and it makes me curious about, cause you talk about your own stuff going on with your dad, you know, yeah. like how much, um, if you don't mind me asking, if you don't mind going into a little bit, like how much, unless you want to cut it and we can flip the script. No, we can, uh, we can keep going. Let's switch over to yours. That's fine. And we can go into it or whatever. Yeah. yeah like, or we can like just to, keep rolling. You keep rolling. Um, let's, well, let's, let's, yeah. Why don't we do that? Why don't you, why don't you, why don't we just wrap up yours and we'll switch over to. Okay. Okay. To okay. Mine and we can, good. but Sounds for anyone who's, you know, listening and wants to go and hear like, well, I want to hear what Lucas's story is. Well, then come over to the Johnny King show. <laughs> That's you right. Know? That's right. There you go. There you go. Uh, um, any other, yeah. Any other thoughts? Cause we could certainly, we're going to keep going about this, all this stuff, but yeah. Well, I just want to say thank you. Thanks yeah. for coming on and, and thanks for doing what you're doing and, and where, cause ever, everyone gets to, I, I will, would love it if everyone goes to your page, follows you and sees what you're doing because you're doing important work. And the beauty of this podcast is the show that we're all human. We're all on this journey together and being a coach is intentionally doing the work and then helping other people that step behind just, it's not a step below. It's a step behind. Just like, here's the step yeah. keep going. And um, so where can people find you and, and connect with you? Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I think if they just go to johnnyking.com, they can find a lot of their answers there and they can find me at Johnny King uh, on Instagram and facebook.com backslash Johnny King coaching. Um, but you're absolutely right. It's like, have I figured all my stuff out? Hell no. <laughs> Will I ever? Probably not. You know, I don't, <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, yeah. If anyone who's listening, you know, uh, resonates with you or resonates with me or neither just like there's, there's someone out there that can help you through the process of your own working through your own trauma because we're coming from both two different sides of the spectrum, you know, yeah. like I didn't have any, any physical or emotional abuse really, you know, but I still was majorly wounded, still working through stuff from yeah. even the, the absence of yeah. that. Right. Yeah. That uh, <clears throat> it's not about comparison. If anyone's really listening to this, it's actually just about finding answers and finding that unconditional loving support to work you through the healing. Right. right. That's love right. heals. So, but that's where people can find me. Johnnyking.com is probably the best place to find find awesome. connection yeah awesome brother thank you thank yeah. you amen i'm looking forward to continuing brother johnny thank you thank you thank you for coming back on or for coming on the show uh back on because i just recorded with you um but thanks for coming on and holding space and sharing that journey and i'm so happy to hear where you are and where you're headed and every single person my dear brother and sister blessings to you blessings receive receive the blessing receive this blessing i bless you receive that you are loved you are light you are beautiful beyond measure beyond words male female strong weak whatever you perceive yourself to be You are loved beyond measure. And I bless you all. Thank you so much for listening. I am Lucas Mack. This is the Golden Rule Revolution, and I'll talk to you on the next episode. Thank you, brothers and sisters, for listening. For support in your journey, go to my website, lucasmack.com.